Lake City. Hey, Jake, how are you? Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake. I'm gonna fight them all. Salt Lake Jake. The nation army couldn't hold me back. Salt Lake Jake. Welcome to Salt Lake Jake's Take. I am Salt Lake Jake. You know what? The season's winding to an end, fellas. The back-to-back reigning champs went down, but they did not go down without a fight. It's looking like we will not get our third straight crown, but you know what? In a year where we lost our first-string quarterback, first-string tight end, second-best running back, best wide receiver, benched our third-string quarterback for our fourth-string quarterback, then benched our fourth-string quarterback for our third-string quarterback to still eke out the year we've had is remarkable. And so hats off and salute to the 2021 and 2022 Pac-12 champion Utes. You fought a good fight, but ultimately you had one hand behind your back and there's nothing you could do about it. Welcome to my guys, Pete and Brennan. How are you, fellas? Doing good, Jake. Uh, Hats off to the Huskies. Uh, A great atmosphere, great place to play, and I'm going to miss playing them. Doing pretty good, Jake. I mean, that was a painful loss. In some respects, the Oregon loss was easier to take because we were never in it. But, you know, hats off to to the Huskies and to Penix, man. That guy that guy has an incredible arm. He does. Uh, well, there are a couple of plays that he did were just like those two touchdowns where he was kind of uh, the pocket was holding up and then he looked down to the right and just lofted his raindrop rainbow teardrop beautiful pass right over Teo Johnson's hands right into Romo Dunze in the back corner you cannot guard that he was playing great defense there's nothing you can do he put it only in a place his wide receiver could get it yeah he was he was awesome but to Pete's point the atmosphere up there is awesome if you've never been well you may never get a chance now because who knows if we'll ever play them up there again but if we ever do you got to go up there it's right on the lake it's beautiful old architecture. Feels like you're in 18th century England on that campus. It's wooded. It's beautiful. The, the stadium is is steep and high. It looks massive. The crowd stands the whole game. It's a great atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. But ultimately, we just came up short. And fellas, it really was the tale of two halves because that first half, we were going toe to toe with the fifth ranked team in the country in their house, a team that's on a 16 game winning streak. And we looked equally the part as they did back and forth, up and down the field. The offense was creative. The offense was fun. We had over 300 yards offense in the first half. I couldn't believe it. That's like air raid, Mike Leach, Chip Kelly, Oregon days type of offense. Uh, Barnes looked decisive. He had some nice passes. He had that beautiful deep pass to to Devon Vele that went for 60 something yards where the guy where he was open and he put it in in a really good spot and set us up for a touchdown. You had that little screen pass to Sione Vaki, which amazingly that guy is so fast. You look at him, like I've said, he doesn't look blazing, but he catches the ball in the backfield. And I'm like, Oh, he's going to get caught by that linebacker. Nope. He's going to get caught by that cornerback. Nope. He's going to get caught by that safety. Nope. Just outran all of them to the end zone for a beautiful touchdown. He has been a revelation on offense. And of course, he's still a beast on defense, laying the wood on defense. He's a special player. But that first half was amazing. I remember uh, at halftime, I looked around. I'm like, I can't believe we are doing this. Like, it felt like we were going to pull this off. But the second half comes, and they look like the Utes against Oregon State or the Utes against Baylor in that second half. Just mistakes. Couldn't, Couldn't move the ball. Um, it was just uh, a bad, bad half. So how were you guys feeling at halftime? 
Um, look, I felt, I mean, optimistic. They look great. And the thing that made me feel good is Barnes's passes were crisp and they were on target. I think what changed in that second half is that his passes were off on that, on the, um, on the interception, he threw that way behind the tight end, you know, and the tight end just reacted to it, could not get his body to turn around it to catch that ball. And he had a bunch of those problems throughout the second half. I think if he just had had a little more accuracy, it uh, could have been a different game there. Yeah, to answer yeah. your question, about at halftime, I, I looked at that scoreboard. We were leading on the road. And I thought, and then it was the three and out that the Huskies, I think it was a three and out on their first opening drive of the second half yep. that we held yep. them. I was like, man, we got the ball back. We've got the lead. Let's go. And then something happened to where we, you, you're right. We saw Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde offense. Yep. And you know, what's crazy about the interception is the, the way, I mean, just a bonkers play the way it ended uh, with the guy dropping the ball, the one yeah. it, for all teams that happened to that happened to us who have <laughs> one of those famous ball drops of all time. And of course it's just our luck that when it happens to us, Kaylin Kelly drops the ball, the one, and instead of going up 14 nothing, Oregon picks it up and runs it back to make it 7-7. But when it happens to us, yeah. for us, our linemen down to the ball, the one-inch line. You yeah. know, just it was just, it was just unfortunate. Well, and, and we take a safety and give the ball back. Yeah, you know? which that play call, I mean, it was the, the safety, the play to get the safety was just like terribly executed, no, that, to, to blown me, up at the line. That series of events, the, the horrible interception, the rundown, the, the fluke drop, the safety... That was to me what spun the game on a, on on its axis, and and it felt uh, it just felt bad after that to me. It did, right? It, I it, mean, it, and it started with that holding call, right? Because we are getting we're knocking on the door. There is that holding call um, that sets us back ten yards. Barnes, you know, then misses that pass that turns into an interception. And you know, if we turn that drive into points instead of giving them points, we're we're leading again at that point, right? Yep, we're going in for the lead. At that point, it was 33-20 or 32-28, I believe the score is that point. We go in and we get a touchdown. We take the lead 35-33. Would have been a totally different game, right? But yeah, it was the holding call, right? Because we we'd gotten it down, I think, to like the three-yard line or something on that little screen play. And then they called back the holding. Holdings are always killers for drives. And then the next play is where it was the, was the interception. Um, but even still, man, even still, despite that momentum swing and the fact that we couldn't really move the ball, we still had the ball with under two minutes to go to try and drive and tie it. And we couldn't even complete a, we couldn't, we couldn't move a yard. Like, and, and there was, there were some mistakes there. The first play of that drive, Mikey Matthews came across on a crossing route, had no one behind him for 10 or 12 yards. And, and Barnes just rifled over his head. He completes that bar. Matthews probably gets 15, 20 yards on that play. And we're already down to the 40 or the 45. Um, and it's, it's go time then, but it just, we were, we were fighting an uphill battle. We couldn't move the ball. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to tip your hat to these Utes, man, without, like we said, without all the players we've gone, we've, we've lost, including on defense, Lander Barton, Logan Fonnell, like we've lost guys on both sides of the ball that are huge, huge pieces. And all of that, one of our best offensive weapons is playing now. Jackson is continually hobbled yeah. that very first run. I was yeah. right by the bench. He came out. And hobbled to the bench and was was testing it and in pain and he's just not fully healthy. The team has a lot going against them as far as health wise, but they don't give up. They don't fight. They make a game of it, and they're still a top 
you know, 16, 17 team in the country, seven and three. So I tip my hat to these guys. They did yeah. everything they could to defend their back-to-back crown um, with what was thrown at them. And they couldn't, and they just ultimately just couldn't do it. Yeah. When you're on the road and you, and you're a fa- traveling fan, especially you just want your team to fight and they fought. And I left that stadium feeling good about it. I will say though, these Barnes interceptions and, and, you know, not to harp on people and we all know where we stand. We we're, we're grateful that this kid came from out of nowhere to lead the team, blah, blah, blah. But these interceptions, I feel like in my mind, they're all almost red zone, go ahead, score kind of interceptions that are really like 14 point plays, almost, almost all. Am I wrong? No, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I I, I agree. They are big time um, game changing mistakes. The USC right? pick six. Like there's just a lot of these just like yep. deep, like we're about to score and then it just back breaks. Yep. And you know what? Like you said, the, the man that walk on from Milford, Utah, pig farmer, he'll always have a memory with Utah football for several key reasons. His Rose Bowl pass to Kincaid was beautiful. Yeah. His opening season bomb to Money Parks against Florida was awesome. The run against USC to set up the victory. He will go down in Utah history with some amazing things. But ultimately, to compete at a Power 5 level in a top 5 game against a team in their house that hasn't lost in 16 games, you need not just someone that's a gritty go-get-it guy. You yeah. need a star. And that star is sitting on the sidelines, number seven, Cam rising with an injury. So if he can, if we can bring him back, um, indications from the outside are, are, are trending towards him coming back. If we can bring him back, then, fellas, I think uh, I think we've got a good shot next year to be right back in the top 10 competing for a playoff spot in the Big 12. Yeah, I think, look, I think the point that you're making is that you kind of need perfection at the quarterback spot to be a championship team of a P5 conference. Look at Knicks. Yeah. Knicks didn't make one mistake when we played them. Penix. Uh, made some mistakes, but none of them hurt him. I mean, he overthrew receivers were his only mistakes there. So you just can't, you can't come in and make big mistakes that have these big 14 point swings, especially when games are going to be decided by seven points or less, you know? Another thing I I noticed Jake at the game and tell me what you were, I was sitting clear up in the Raptors. I was under the cover way up in the top. Um, We had a great um, uh, paper airplane uh, display going on, but um, the, the wind swirls seemed to have cost a lot of kickoff. Like it seemed like we could not kick the ball out of the end zone. The punts weren't going right. Some of those tosses, what were the wind swirls like down that low? You know what there was, you could see, I mean, hats were blown off people's head, refs heads. Um, their, their clothes were like really windy. Um, it wasn't like hurricane force winds, but it did affect it. You look at our punting, our punting was terrible, which is crazy because Bo Meester's awesome, but he couldn't really get a good, a good punt deep and pin them deep ever. So the wind may have played a little bit of a, a little effect in it, but it, I don't think it affected the outcome of the game. Um, as far as, as far as that goes, but you know what, there are a couple guys I want to point out that I think had absolute monster games. One is Devon Ville. Um, You know, being a receiver, as we know from one of our previous pods with Ken Scott in a Utah offense, isn't like being a receiver for Oregon or Washington or Oklahoma, right? It's, it's different. You don't get the stats, but he had a huge game, five catches, 145 yards, had some big time receptions. He averaged almost 30 yards of reception. That's amazing. His long was at 68 yarder. Um, he was awesome. I think we, if we can bring him back next year, he'd be a huge aspect asset for us with cam rising, leading the, leading the way. And then also, as we mentioned already, freaking Sione Vaki, man, two way stud. He had, he had four catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, he had a sack, uh, our only sack on defense. He had 
several tackles, as well as a couple big-time hits. So he was just a baller on both sides of the ball. So those are my two MVPs for Utah on offense, Devon Vele on defense, Sione Vaki. Um, as a whole, they look good in those white uniforms. Please freaking make those our permanent kits, as they call them in the soccer world. They just look good. They're clean. They're fresh. They're classic. So we look good. We represented well. We gave them a game. Um, but at the end of the day, the fifth-ranked Huskies moved on to 17 in a row. But like you brought up, Brennan, to compete for championships and playoff berth, yes, you need a star at quarterback. Um, we don't have that this year, obviously, has been detailed. But the teams that are the top all do, the Bo Nixes, the Caleb Williams, the Michael Penix Juniors in the Pac-12. Um, so that's why we're hoping and praying that Brother Cam Rising returns next year fully healthy. Uh, any last thoughts, gents? Uh, just same thought I had when I, that I started with is this game was more painful in some respects than the Oregon loss because we were in it, but this is the one that you'd prefer, right? Even though it is more painful, you want to have a chance to win. Loved it. Love this team. Love the game. It's hard to be disappointed. I know we don't believe in moral victories and, uh, but it was great to see him battle up there and get ready to go play that game. I have to give a shout out to the U of U Alumni Association. They organized like a, a sailgate, and I was fortunate to be the guest of Paul and Sam Florence. Shout out. We sailed from downtown Seattle into uh, through Lake Union, through the strait where the boys on the boat rode, and into Lake Washington, pulled around the stadium. That is the only way you can arrive to a game from here on out. I don't know how we're going to do that here, but sailing into the stadium, oh my gosh. Great atmosphere. That's a Big Ten ready school. Their band, their marching band was doing formations that just made, you know, just made me almost weep. I love marching bands. I thought it was a great atmosphere. I'm going to miss playing the Washington Huskies. Yep. Downtown Seattle. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you what, the, the, the setting, they call it the greatest setting in college football, and it absolutely is, man. It absolutely is. It's beautiful location. The scenery is spectacular. Yeah, man, sailing in, that's that's awesome. They are a Big Ten race school, but you know what? Damn it, so is Utah. We belong in that league. We are just as just as good as an, of an asset to the Big Ten as most of the schools they have in there. It should have been Utah, Washington, Oregon, USC going to the Big Ten, man. We should have been at it because we have, we're probably, honestly, the most Big Ten-ready team in all the Pac-12. The style of play we play, the hard-nosed defense, the the grinded-out pro-style offense, that's how the Big Ten is. But, so I'm going to miss those guys. I'm going to miss the association with uh, with Oregon and Washington, but it is it is what it is. But we need a better marching band. I love our marching Utes, but, but we need to spend more money on it. Get some NIL, get white pants, get some snappy, you know, shoes that, that you can see from the 400s. Okay. Well, well, let's work on that. Let's work <laughs> on uh, improving our band and then we'll be able to That's go to the Big, Big Ten, Ten atmosphere. It mm-hmm. is. I but agree. Just to put a bow on it, fellas, like we said, great atmosphere, great competition. Brennan, as you said, yes, a, a game like this is harder mentally to lose because you're in it at halftime. You feel like you got a chance, whereas a blow like or, blowout like Oregon, you slowly condition yourself by the time the game is over that we were, had no shot and you're already over it, you know. But uh, it was an amazing fall atmosphere. It was an amazing fall contest between two really good teams. Unfortunately, Washington just came out on top, but that's okay, fellas. There's still a lot to play for. Let's go get a win at Arizona. Let's get a win against Colorado. Let's win our bowl game, finish with 10 wins in a year where we were handicapped with major injuries. That would be impressive. Uh, Still love these Utes. They got a bright future. Can't wait for next week. I am Salt Lake Jake, and I am out.